Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's text takes us to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought Yahweh, God made him prosper. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath and the wall of Jabna and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities in the territory of Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbel and against the Munites. The Ammonites paid tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread even to the border of Egypt, for he became very strong. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the angle, and fortified them. And he built towers in the wilderness and cut out many cisterns, for he had large herds, both in the Shephelah and in the plain. And he had farmers and vine dressers in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of soldiers fit for war, in divisions according to the numbers and the muster made by Jael, the secretary, and Messiah, the officer, under the direction of Hananiah, one of the king's commanders. The whole number of the heads of fathers' houses of mighty men of valor was twenty-six hundred. Under their command was an army of three hundred seven thousand five hundred who could make war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones for slings. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to Yahweh his God, and entered the temple of Yahweh to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of Yahweh who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah, and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to Yahweh, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from Yahweh God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests in the house of Yahweh by the altar of incense. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because Yahweh had struck him. And the king Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of Yahweh. And Jotham his son was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, wrote, and Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham his son 
reigned in his place. This is the word of the Lord. So we have another one of our kings, Uzziah, who is in the book of 2 Kings, known better as Azariah, A-Z-A-R-I-A-H. He is king over Judah for 52 years. It's actually not the first note we get about him. starts at 16 years old, which is a little on the younger side historically, but not, not definitely the youngest. That would be Joash at 7. The interesting thing is that we get verse 2, actually, before we get verse 3 here, they, that he built Eloth and restored it to Judah before we're told about the length of his reign. So this is held up as being prominent in his work. Eloth, or Elath, is a city on the Salt Sea. It is a place from Second Chronicles chapter 8 where Solomon and Hiram worked together. Uh, so this belongs likely to the Edomites, or did, until, until it was taken by Judah. Now, when does his 52-year reign cover? If it began at the end of his father, at the death of Amaziah, then it would begin in 767, and it would last until 715, and he would have seen the fall of Israel, the northern kingdom. But he doesn't. We know this for several reasons. One is that we still are going to see some of that northern kingdom of Israel acting yet in the book. Um, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 28, verse 6, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 from Judah in one day. Pekah is the king of Israel uh, prior to Israel falling in 722 B.C. We also know that Uzziah dies in the same year that Isaiah is commissioned to be, called to be, prophet to the Lord, because Isaiah's call, described in Isaiah chapter 6, begins with the phrase, in the year that King Uzziah died, and then goes on to describe his call. And Isaiah is going to be one of the major prophets, not just because he is a major prophet, but he's going to be one of the chief principal prophets bringing news of the destruction of Israel. So Uzziah's reign then is going to, those 52 years, include part of the reign of his father and part of the reign of his son. There's overlap in the books of Kings and Chronicles between the kings within their own kingdom. So as Amaziah has betrayed his lord and he has been captured by Israel's king, that's a, a possible example of a reason why Uzziah's reign could be started in that time period. It seems to have been started even before that, though. Um, the, the chart that I use that's most helpful coming off of the work of Professor Dr. Steinman, Andrew Steinman, who wrote the book from Abraham to Paul, which is a helpful chronology book of Scripture, dates Uzziah here from 791 until seven. 40 or so. Um, so that puts him really starting just shortly after his own father, who started around 797 or so. And the last many years, 10 years or so of his reign are overlapped by his son Jotham, probably because he's a leper and not able to rule his kingdom rightly from that, that position. 
So 791 to 740 seems to be the, the years to put on Uzziah, or roughly so. He did what was right in the eyes of Yahweh. So another king chalked up as being a good king for Judah brings us to five on the chart so far with three evil and Abijah. Set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, so a prophet, as long as he sought Yahweh, God made him prosper. So this is good, and it's good for the king to be faithful. So we're going to get a description of his prosperity in the next paragraph, verses 6 through 15, that he's able to make war against the Philistines. He breaks through the wall of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod. Gath and Ashdod are two of the Philistines' five chief cities. Essentially, they had these five primary cities, and there were kings in each of those cities for the Philistines. And this is, well, two out of the five. And he builds cities for his own people. So Judah ends up occupying part of the Philistines' territory. So God has helped him against the Philistines to the southwest. He's helped him against the Arabians to the southeast, who lived in Gur Baal. That's the only time that the word Gur Baal shows up in Scripture. It's hard to say much about it other than that word Gur is a Hebrew verb for to sojourn. So it's the idea that this is where Baal lived with his people, um, is the name of the city, which is false because Baal is false, but that's what they called it. So Gur Baal, and then also against the Edomites, the Munites, they're part of Edom, to the south of the Salt Sea. So the Arabians, by the way, would be off to the southeast of the Salt Sea. The Ammonites even paid tribute to Uzziah, so they brought him gifts annually. His fame spread even down to Egypt. He built towers, which would be used for watchtowers, but also defense against enemies around Jerusalem in multiple locations. He built towers out in the wilderness as well. He dug many cisterns, so um, pits for water for his flocks because he had many of them. In the Shephelah, which is the lowlands, and in the plains, which would be the, the flatlands, he had farmers and vine dressers, for he loved the soil. So Uzziah is described as being a man who cares for creation. He had an army of 307,500 soldiers, which is slightly larger than his father's army. Amaziah had 300,000, so there's been an increase for the first time in a while. Uzziah then equips his army handily. I mean, they have not only shield and spear, which has been the normal description in the book of Chronicles so far. They have helmets, coats of mail, so like chain mail armor, bows, and stones for slinging. So none of the weapons here are new, but the, the extra armor is new, at least in the description. Also, he made machines in Jerusalem on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. So ballista catapults might be in mind here, although those are definitely not words used in the text. But they are ancient military weapons, so certainly could have been. His fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped. That would be a simple question for the children today. Who helped him marvelously? The Lord did. Again, it's verse 5, that as long as he sought Yahweh, God made him prosper. 
as he sought Yahweh, as he trusted in Yahweh, Yahweh blessed him and his kingdom. But, verse 16, just as we have seen with several of the kings in the book so far, when he was strong, he grew proud to his own destruction. We get one event given to us about his unfaithfulness. And it's about going into the temple to burn an offering to Yahweh. So he's not setting up pagan idol altars. He's not worshiping the gods of Edom. He's trying to worship Yahweh, and yet it is viewed as unfaithful. Maybe throw that question to the children and see if they can recognize why it is deemed unfaithful. Why is this bad that Uzziah wanted to do it? And if, he, if they can't figure it out just from reading it there, um, if you just read verse 16, you can pick it up in verse 17 and 18 because Azariah the priest tells us why. This is not given for kings to do. Ultimately, the king does not even have Old Testament permissions to go into the temple, like the actual building proper itself. The king would have been restricted to the courtyard around the temple because only the priests are given to go into the temple and care for the things of the Lord's house. Only the priests are the ones who are to make that offering daily on the altar of incense. Only the high priest is allowed to go into the holy of holies or the most holy place before the throne of God just one day a year on Yom Kippur or the day of atonement as we call it in English. So that's the trouble here is that Uzziah is doing something. He is seeking to do something that the Lord has rejected. This is not the way the Lord has told his people to worship him. We are not free to worship God however we want to worship God. There are boundaries around our worship because worship has a purpose. And that purpose is the forgiveness of sins. But as we look at the text here, for Uzziah to do this would be to do what God has not given him to do, and that's what makes it unfaithful. It is the priest's role. Now, maybe a conversation as well uh, could be helpful in your family today. What are the holy things of God today? And who has God tasked with caring for those holy things? And really, the holy things today we would talk about as word and sacrament. And he has entrusted them to his church. And the church then calls men into the office of pastor to make sure that those gifts of God are cared for and rightly given to the people. So we don't just treat baptism however we want. We don't take a super soaker and go out into the streets of our city and baptize people as we you know, ride by on our bike or something like that. That would not be treating the sacrament with respect. And we don't take the Lord's Supper and just have it as a family meal at our house because that does not treat the Lord's Supper with the respect that the Lord has given to it, which is that it's to be a meal for the church, a meal for the community. So your pastor is there for the purpose of making sure that your community has word and sacrament, that you get to hear the law and the gospel on a regular basis, and that you get to receive Christ's body and blood given for you on a regular basis. That's what he's there for. Uh, So... It's not that there's anything necessarily 
all that special about your pastor. He's a man. He's a sinner. But the church has called him to stand in this office to make sure that the gifts of God are there for us. And for that reason, then, we have that that honor and respect for our pastors because they bring that good thing into our life on a regular basis. They help see that we keep it and that we avoid what happened to King Uzziah as he grew proud to his own destruction. These are warnings for us. Really, they are, and that it is possible for us to grow prideful, for us to abandon Yahweh, Jesus, for us to fall away from our faith. So it is, it is indeed a word of caution in the text. So only the priests are to do this, as Uriah says, and that makes Uzziah angry. He's there with a censer, a bowl, to offer his incense before the Lord. And as he's standing there, the Lord judges him. The Lord strikes Uzziah with leprosy. Leprosy is a, a dangerous, difficult skin disease, highly contagious that essentially it is, I don't know if degenerative is the right word, but it, it eats away at the flesh. Uh, you're, you're falling apart. Your skin is dying. And eventually it'll claim a life if it doesn't go away on its own, which it occasionally did in the, the biblical days. Leprosy makes him unclean. And being unclean, he certainly is not allowed in the temple either. And so he's being driven out quickly by the priests, but also he himself is willing to go out quickly because he realizes God has struck him. He doesn't want to remain and get struck even worse. So he remains a leper to the day of his death, has to live in a separate house. He's excluded from the holy things of God because of his leprosy, his contagious skin disease that renders him unclean. He's never not unclean again. I think I said that right with all the negatives in that phrase. Um, He is unclean for the rest of his life until his death. And even in death, they bury him not in the king's tomb, but in the field that the kings owned around Jerusalem because he was a leper so they don't bury the unclean king with the clean kings. This clean and unclean distinction, not made much of a deal of here within the book of Chronicles, but certainly is a major deal throughout Scripture, even coming into the New Testament. Leprosy is a major problem Jesus is willing to wrestle with. When everybody else wanted to stay away from the lepers, Jesus would walk right up and touch them. In the ways of the world, that's putting himself at risk. But being God and being compassionate and having mercy was something that he showed to those lepers. 